there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Each episode is full of real-world information to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I'm thrilled to have you joining us today. On today's podcast, we're going to explore a very important, although often overlooked, aspect of getting started homeschooling. Stacey Wells is here to talk to us about de-schooling, which is something you don't want to overlook if you've taken your child out of a brick-and-mortar school situation. We'll discuss the necessity, benefits, and blessings of this often-missed part of the process. The Teach Them Diligently podcast is made possible in large part through the help of our sponsors, so when I mention them on the show, I hope you'll check out what they have to offer and let them know you're grateful for their support. The organizations that we work with are like-minded and passionate in their mission to better equip families to serve the Lord well. Today, we're grateful for the support of Summit Ministries. Young Christians have a lot of questions, big questions about life, love, the Bible, God, and so much more. At Summit Ministries, we give high school and college students a place to explore these big ideas with today's leading Christian thinkers. If you want your kids to become more confident in their faith, send them to a student conference with Summit this summer. The time is now. Give your child an unshakable faith that can withstand the challenges of today's world. Visit summit.org. And now, won't you join me for my conversation with Stacy Wells? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. We are so excited to have you joining us today. I am also thrilled that we are able to talk with Stacy Wells today. Stacy blogs at Homeschooling Revealed. She has um, a new book that has just come out by the same title, um, and she has some other resources for us as well. But Stacy, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself uh, before we dive in and discuss de-schooling and all that goes into that? Yes, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Um, as you said, my name is Stacy Wells, and I do blog at homeschoolingrevealed.com. Uh, I have been homeschooling um, since about 2007, and I started with uh, my special needs son, and we would pull him out kind of intermittently to kind of raise his level uh, where he would be on a lower level than he was supposed to be, and, and homeschooling really helped to raise that up. And then when my daughter, our youngest, was in the third grade, um, a lot of problems came up and we decided to pull her. One of those problems being that they had uh, forced her to write with her left hand when, I mean, her right hand, excuse me, when she was originally left-handed. And um, they began to see a lot of problems with her learning. It's what they told me. And I think it was just a matter of her starting to doubt her abilities, uh, especially when she yeah. thought she knew which hand to use. And so just a whole lot of different things. And we just decided to pull her. Turned out that was the best decision to make. Yeah. And then she graduated in 2018. So well, that's what, when you were, when you were first telling me your story about pulling her in 2007, that's actually when we pulled ours who graduated the same year. Uh, he was our oldest though. So we our our oldest is now the same age, I guess, as your oh, youngest. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, when you were telling me that story about them making her switch hands, 
my my mind just rushed with all of the things that that impacts and especially for a girl for whom neatness and you know we girls tend to care about the way things look so when you make that switch i i can definitely see how that would throw all kinds of things off for that poor child Yes, it was really hard. And when you add on the fact that she is by very nature a perfectionist, yep. um, it really just kind of shook things for her to be that age. Uh, I'm thinking she was between seven and eight. I can't exactly remember, but that that was about that year. And 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 so it really did affect her learning. And um, I was just really brokenhearted as a mother and angry as a, you know, somebody who had put a lot of trust in the public school system. And so when we pulled her, everything just opened up. I was brand new, had not um, even had any kind of, of circle that had that homeschooling base with it. Mm-hmm. So it was really a first and a best all at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love the way that you noted that when you pulled her, everything just kind of opened up because that's yes. what you truly do see um, is you you pull for a reason. But then when you kind of step back, you see how homeschooling actually impacts so many areas of your life in so many positive ways um, that it's super exciting. Very. And we we had a really good time with it. And one of the things um, that I learned about first was the different learning styles, how some students are auditory, some are visual and so on. Well, she was a very kinesthetic learner. And one of the things she constantly got in trouble for at school was doodling, which she is a wonderful artist. She's actually thinking about going into graphic arts. And Mm -hmm. so she was a doodler and they would... um, chastise her for that. And she would just take her papers and stuff them into her desk. And uh, so homework would go missing and all kinds of things. Come to find out after we started homeschooling that if I were to take away all of her art and all of her paperwork and just make her listen or watch a video, um, there was no retention. But if I let her doodle and let her draw and take notes or whatever it was she was doing, the retention was there. And I'm the exactly. same way. Like if I'm taking sermon notes or something, as long as I'm writing, it's it's like everything's just flowing. And so that's that's kind of how it worked for her. And that was another key that opened a big door for the rest right. of her homeschooling career is to know that that's okay. Exactly. And to give yourself the freedom to lean into these unique qualities of each of your kids. It's yes. it's not just okay, it's actually excellent. It's best. Yes, a very wonderful foundation to start on because then you're catering to the nature of the child the way God created them. Not everyone is going to be um you know, a speaker or not everyone's going to be a doctor or you know whatever fill in the blank that mm-hmm. you think is is the the goal. You know, uh, some child might be like my daughter. She's an artist and my son uh, will literally talk your head off. He's a social butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) So we play to those strengths and see the child just bloom, educationally speaking. And then that fosters more self-confidence, I think, that allows them to go on into life and their pursuit of uh, career goals and those kinds of things. Well, it's so true. It when you when you're able to really lean into who they are, 
um, they are able to gain that confidence, like you just noted, that gives them something to stand on and launch out and try big things and dream big dreams and and be bold enough to pursue what God has in store for them instead of always second guessing and wondering if they're doing it right and thinking they're going to be shot down. It's just a really big deal. Yes, very. I am that that's the kind of advocate I am. Let's see who your child is and then we can figure out the homeschooling method that you need to use. So that's that's crucial. That really is crucial. Yeah. Absolutely. Because knowing who your child is, is truly one of the greatest gifts of homeschooling because you get to know them on such a deeper level than you would ever have the chance to do if they were in a traditional brick and mortar type school Um, because of the amount of time and the different functions that you're actually investing in them. Yes. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. So Stacey, uh, there are a lot of people, in fact, more, way more than ever before who are just now starting homeschooling or still thinking about it, about ready to, to pull the trigger. And there's a myriad of frustrations and concerns that are leading to that. And we don't have time to go, you know, even, you know, a drop in the bucket of all of those. Everybody has a different catalyst for what makes us jump in, I think. Um, But for a lot of people, just the thought of making that leap into this unknown world is such a scary, overwhelming thing. I know that you talk to a lot of people who are just getting started. So what do you tell them? What is the best way if you, okay, I see the need. I know what I want to do, but what in the world do I do to, to get this thing going? Right. Well, I think one of the first and probably most overlooked aspects of beginning your homeschool journey is the de-schooling process. Hmm. And a lot of people mix that up with unschooling, which is actually a homeschooling method. It's um, kind of a a learning outside of the norm or a child-led learning, and uh, it goes in varying degrees. That's unschooling. De-schooling is kind of a process of decompressing from the methodology of public school and the rigid you know, we're going to get here, you come in and have breakfast, then you go to either homeroom or whatever class, and then each yeah. uh, time frame is laid out for a p- specific subject, and it's very formal, very rigid. Um, then you've got the the information that you, you stuff into the child, and then they regurgitate that on test day, <laughs> and so that's kind of the norm, and there is a traditional homeschooling method where you do kind of go by that uh, loose outline. And then there's yeah. classical, there's all kinds of, of different methods. And, uh, but the de-schooling process kind of allows you to step back and go, okay, we don't have to do it that way. We can kind of relax a little bit and let things kind of happen. Let's see what the child's passions are, interests, what do they enjoy learning Um, If you go to dictionary.com, you'll see the actual definition for de-schooling is to separate education from the institution of school and operate from the pupil's life experience as opposed to a set curriculum. Now, the first part of that I agree with, but you don't always have to come from the child's life experience. The de-schooling process is more, more about losing the institutional feel of education yes. and learn and and realizing that learning and formal education are not necessarily the same thing. Um, during this time, you can do very little formatted um, 
schoolwork as in, okay, from eight to nine, we're going to do spelling and you're going to do this worksheet. And from nine to 10, we're going to do math and you're going to do 30 problems. And, um, but it's more of just letting the child's mind and your mind too, as, as where you're stepping into the educator role, uh, just kind of recalibrating and really getting the grip of what home education is. And I think that is a beautiful thing. And it only is for the parents that pull their children from public school. I think that's that's another thing that a lot of people um, are often kind of misled about, that de-schooling should happen anytime you start homeschooling. But if you've never had your child in the public school system, then they don't even know that. And, and so yeah. you've kind of already set the stage for a home education. Well, and private schools would fall into that as well. So really any type of brick and mortar, one teacher, a number of students um, in one classroom, any kind of a system like that, no matter whether it was private or public or, you know, charter, whatever kind of of system that was, you still, there is a lot of wisdom in stepping back and kind of letting go of those expectations and that feel to segue into something brand new. Yes, very much so. And and it's important because if you have the child at home and you skip the de-schooling process, well, let's say you're going to uh, cover several subjects in one activity, then the child might feel like, well, but I didn't do math because I, mm-hmm. I went through that with my daughter before I realized that de-schooling was, was something very important uh, for formerly uh, public schooled children. But um there are actual activities you can do that will cover literature and history and math. And um, I know we used to do uh, outings and we would do what we called graveyard math. We had a historical cemetery in the city we lived in and we would visit and we would say, you know, well, let's look at this headstone. Well, there's the birth date and there's the death date. I wonder you know, how old she was. Let's find yep. out how old yep. she was. And then we would talk about the history of that particular time period. I know uh, one graveyard we visited, some of the graves, uh, the the people passed away as early as the late 1700s. Wow. And so we got wow. to discuss issues like, you know, smallpox and dysentery. And, and uh, but for somebody coming straight out of public school, they'd be like, what? You did math, Al? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, what in your experience, what have you seen is kind of a common time frame to work through this de-schooling process? Because um, I know for a lot of people who are, are, you know, especially the ones that are so concerned about doing things, you know, getting started and, and making sure you're dotting all your I's, crossing all your T's. Having kind of an expectation. Now, this is this is a parenthesis. It's not a firm start, firm end. But you know, from your experience, what has kind of been the norm as far as how long does it take to transition from this brick and mortar school, institutional school mindset to a love of learning homeschool mindset? Well, I think the answer is not a singular one because it really depends on your child. Um, If your child, you're pulling them in like the first or second grade, like early elementary ages, um, I think the de-schooling process will be shorter. I know with my daughter, we probably de-schooled for three to four months before she got the feel of, okay, this is all right. I don't have to do this and this and this, this way. Um, So, that would take less time. But if you're pulling a child, say, in upper elementary or early high school, the de-schooling process 
takes a little bit longer. I know some parents, um, I know one lady in South Carolina, she had pulled her child in the ninth grade. And even up to six months later, he was like, this is not the way we did this. And she was like, and it's not going to be the way you do it. <laughs> That's the point. So, yeah. And so he had, he was old enough at that point to have that mindset and it yeah. was firmly in place after, you know, uh, an entire elementary and middle school right. um, situation where he was in that mindset. So the younger children will take less time, I believe, and the older mm -hmm. children will take more time. Of course, like you said earlier, it's not ever a set in stone rule. Um, you want to go by your child. When you see, I think the marker is when you see them start to relax and start to realize, hey, I really like this book. Um, you know, I'm supposed to be in the fourth grade, but that's an eighth grade reading level book. And it's okay for me to read that. When they start becoming comfortable with who they are and how they learn, then you can kind of say to yourself, okay, we're ready to jump into yeah. this with whatever method you choose from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about the kids who um, have had specific things that you want to undo? For example, you mentioned your daughter's um, hand switching that you would have yes. wanted to, to, to address that and help her get back on track. You also, before the, um, the podcast, you talked about your son and what you saw in his spelling. So I would love for you to share that too, because I think that all of these things present specific issues that, you know, a, a mom or dad may want to actually focus in on as they're de-schooling to yes. undo some of the damage that may have been done. Exactly. Well, for my daughter, um, when they, well, and I didn't find out that they had done this until she'd probably been writing that way probably for two years. Oh my um, goodness. You know, I don't know why she didn't share that, but it was just, you know, one of those things and, and mm -hmm. it just kind of fell through the cracks. But when she came out, one of the things I noticed even to this day, and, and like I said, she graduated in 2018, um, she will use her left hand for cooking, eating. Um, I know she, she uses chopsticks. She loves uh, that, that style of cooking a lot. So she uses her left hand, but she will still write with her right hand. Really? Wow. And so I never could get the switch back. So just three years, well, less than three years, because we didn't allow that third year to lapse before yeah. we pulled yeah. her. But in less than three years, that has created an issue. And to this day, she does not like the way her handwriting looks, but she thinks it would be too hard to go back to left, probably wow. now back to left-handed writing. Yeah. But when it comes down to those things that you kind of do at, at your core, you just do it without thinking, she'll do that with her left hand. Gotcha. So wow, that's fascinating. That. And then for my son, um, he had an IEP all the way through school, which is an individual, um, yes, an individualized education plan because he's special needs. He's high functioning autistic. And um, we had seen him bring home a spelling test one day that had 100% at the top. And at first glance, I thought, oh, that's great. And uh, we got to looking at the spelling words a little more closely and realized that most of them were wrong. And so yeah. I called the school and I was telling them what I was seeing and asking questions. And they were like, well, the, he spelled them phonetically and we grade that as correct. And I thought, 
is this what's happening for everybody? And it kind of, you know, it kind of got those wheels turning, but I thought this is not good enough for my son. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there, there might be a reason, you know, they probably got together as a board or however they do it there and and decided, well, this is how we're going to do it. But, um, that's been very detrimental to him because as I said, he's high functioning and he puts a lot of, uh, you know, he puts a lot on himself. He expects a lot of himself. And so when he found out that they were allowing him to be wrong is what he said, um, he was devastated. And I think that was a big trust issue for him as it probably would be for a lot of children. And so um, we got together with his counselor. He was seeing a counselor at the time and we decided to pull him. And his IEP said that he was on, he was in the fifth grade according to his age, but in his learning, he was on a fourth grade level, like for reading and and different uh, subjects like that. And so we decided I would pull him from school and homeschool him for six months when we wound up doing this a couple more times over his educational career. And um, in just six months, we raised his learning level, according to his IEP, one and a half years. So he was almost at age level for his his reading and those other things, uh, by the time we, we finished with homeschool. And I think that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big red flag for me. So, um, we did let him remain in public school because as I said earlier, his social issues with autism were such that he wasn't getting what he needed, um, from the homeschool situation because I was, you know, homeschooling multiple children and, and he really, really did well. He wound up with a four-year career in JROTC, which he absolutely loved. And he went through the ranks there. And uh, when he graduated, he was asking him, well, can I still stay in ROTC? (laughs) So that was a big deal for him. And it meant a lot. And we were kind of in that position where we saw, okay, this is going to do him the most good. Whereas for our daughter, it was going to be detrimental and more detrimental as she aged. So that was a big deal. And then um, we did let her go back to school for a little while in her ninth grade year because she had expressed wanting to find out what um, that was all about and Mm. not to be lengthy or anything, but that was probably the most devastating thing that we could have done for her. And got to the point, the bullying um, was the primary thing because she is so socially awkward and oh it was bad I beat myself up over that to this day but we immediately pulled her back out and got things back on track thank god so that really helped there are still issues because of that but I think um I think if nothing else, it was for just a way to see that even from her elementary school years, the landscape of public school has changed so much that whereas I believe de-schooling was very important in my daughter's third grade year in 2007, and now it's probably the most important thing of all, um, especially if your child's been in public school, to just kind of erase that that landscape that that idea you know that ideology so that's a big deal now (laughs) well and do you think that people jump over that step because 
it's because really the parents need to be de-schooled as well. You know, we have this idea of what school looked like when we were in school. And so that's what it's, that's the only way that you can learn. That's how it has to happen. And so there's a lot of de-schooling that goes on for parents as well. Just recognizing that this is a whole new system, a whole, well, it's not even new. It's a whole old system that we're bringing back. It's a, it's a way of learning that's so much more natural than you are used to, but it is different. And so different change always brings some friction with it. Absolutely. And I always uh, tell people, you know, the Charlotte Mason style of educating, um, Charlotte Mason was a home educator in, um, I want to say, I'm so sorry, I don't have the exact date, but it was in the 1800s. Right. And her, her theory was that Uh, formal schooling, as she called it, should not start until the child was eight or nine years old to give them the opportunity to explore themselves and their passions and their enjoyments and those kinds of things. Nature study was big for her. So it was kind of like a kind of de-schooling process, even in those days. But she she made the point, um, and it's a great point, if you take a child who learned how to read at the age of five and another child that didn't learn to read until the age of nine, by the time both of those children are 16, you're never going to know which was which. Yes. So the idea that they have to know these words in the first grade and these in the second and these in the third, um, that is just it's it's a norm that's been placed on us by the public school system. Right. And, and it's proprietary. It's not yeah. something that is that is actually, you know, in ingrained in us. It's something somebody came up with and said, this is the way it's going to look from now on. Um, yes. Because at one time, homeschooling was education. Exactly. Exactly. Well, real quick, before we finish up, I, I want to make sure that we give everyone a little bit of an idea of what is involved in de-schooling. So, you know, what, what can they give themselves freedom to actually do and what did the child or what will the child benefit? And you as the parent, what will you all benefit from some of those activities? Well, I think one of the things, especially in in this day and age, uh, you've got a lot of parents who went from public school to virtual learning to, you know, learning at home or these certain days that I know some uh, schools were doing, you know, these students on Monday, Wednesday and Friday and these on Tuesday and Thursday. It's just been change after change after change. And so I think a lot of homeschoolers are or those that are new to homeschooling, I'll say, are in a place now where they're like, well, let's see, public school didn't work. Virtual learning didn't work. This didn't work. That workbook didn't work. Zoom doesn't work. I forgot my password. And so it's (laughs) such a conglomeration of confusion. But I think um, one of the things that that will be the biggest benefit is just the relaxation. And when you begin to relax as an educator, the child can then relax as a learner. And and that's a big benefit. But how do you start? Well, I would say, you know, don't drag the kid out of bed at 6.15 in the morning. (laughs) If they're not a morning person. Now, if they're dragging you out of bed at 6.15 in the morning, that's different. But you know, give yourself leeway. There's no specific starting time. Um, Now, I may be biting my own tongue on that because some states may have regulations that say you have to homeschool between a certain hour and a certain hour. I want, I can't remember which one it is. 
but I think there is at least one or two states that do that. Okay. And so very, very first rule, learn your uh, state regulations. Yes, because, for uh, sure. Yeah, we just moved from Kentucky where it's very, very lax. But if you go to New York or some other place like that, um, I know, I think Virginia is different. They're all different. Right. And so you have to comply with those certain regulations. That's the main thing. But beyond that, you don't often have to turn in what curriculum you're going to use. So give yourself time uh, to get started and then just kind of explore what your child likes to do. Do you know if they're really involved in science, if they're really involved in music, um, you know, it's okay to let them play an instrument as a class because that is um, working towards something. And there are lots and lots of scientific studies. I don't have them in front of me, but they show that a child that kind of puts themselves into the musical study, they have a lot more, um, you know, brain activity, which helps them in all the other areas. So, but then if you have a very solitary or intrapersonal learner, uh, you're not going to be able to throw them into like a co-op or a group setting, or they might even not want to learn with their brothers and sisters if you have multiple children at home. So just taking time, first of all, to figure out your child's learning style is is one good thing and then making that transition from as i said earlier um you don't have to separate subjects if you Mm -hmm. don't want to that's that's a part of that will be a part of whatever homeschooling homeschooling style you choose there's the charlotte mason there's traditional there's unschooling there's eclectic like i did with my daughter where i just pulled from you know a little bit from charlotte mason a little bit from classical and all these different things but the end result is to have this well-rounded individual and you know sometimes we would take a field trip uh just as a for instance and my daughter would accompany me because I knew it was something that she struggled with, with the, with the socializing. She would accompany me to pay bills or go grocery shopping. And a lot of times I would ask her here, you hand the money and you take the receipt and just little things like that. It's little things like that, that make a huge difference in a child's education when you are pulling away from that public school model and coming into this, I just want to call it just an open book experience that you can literally do anything you want to of course within the realms of your state's regulations and you don't want to just let them sit on the couch in their pjs with the screen all day that's that's kind of extreme but that's that's you still need to be preparing them academically as well as preparing them emotionally and spiritually and all the other ways um, that's that's your job at this point. You are you exactly. are their teacher, their preparer, um, and so you don't ever want to shirk that off. Another really great way to start is just take a couple of weeks and read together. Read, read, read. Yes. Dive into some great books that are interesting. You know, read the book and then have a movie night and watch the movie if you want to. But but spend yes. some time just recognizing that you know what it's actually fun to read. It's it's fun to learn. Um, yes. And so there there are a lot of ways um, that you can dive into stuff. You are moving forward without the pressure of the the very structured academic focus that they've just come out of. Exactly, and and that kind of made me think about something else. When you said the reading, a lot of parents have that 
public mind school set that when a child learns something, you test them with a paper and pen. But, and again, pulling from the Charlotte Mason method, um, a lot of times you can ask that child questions. And in Charlotte Mason method, it's called narration, where they kind of give you um, what would be, I I like to call it an essay or a summary of what they read. And they can really, really bring across those ideas and show a solid understanding of what they've read, especially if it's history. And yes. uh, there's a big difference, what you were talking about with the reading. It makes a, makes a huge difference. Like history, you can have history textbooks that say, George Washington did this on this date. Right. Thomas Jefferson did this on this date. But if you take a storybook format yep. and that child reads the story or you read it together and it's so exciting, that will solidify that fact and the date and all the little things that go along with it in their mind. And that's another way that it's so different from public school where it's, it's an enjoyment then to them. And a lot of times I would test my daughter in that narration method. And I would be like, well, what about, and then she would tell me what she thought. And, um, you know, she was, we used to go to thrift stores a lot and get all of those older books. Mm-hmm. And just an example, she would, she loved geography and uh, geology. And she would take stacks of books with her to the bathroom and just read these college yeah. texts. And she came out one day and she said, you know, mom, it's amazing how those Titanic plates can cause those earthquakes. And I said, don't you mean tectonic? She said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tectonic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and just the conversations that as they are, as you're reading together, as you are learning together, and then you're able to dive deeper into stuff. You know, you, yes. you brought up some of those history things. Well, yeah. you're able to bring in what was culturally going on. You're actually able mm-hmm. to give them context for that history and then play it forward. How does this impact yes. the way you think now? All of these things, you're getting such a deeper understanding of who your child is and you're equipping them to think critically and to be discerning all the while. Yes. There are so many benefits that we couldn't even begin to, to mention them all here. Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. And it does. It really, that critical thinking that you were talking about, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, and you see these, these little videos on all the different social media websites where they'll go to college campuses and they had actually asked Mm -hmm. several students, what did you think about John F. Kennedy getting killed today? And they were just mortified that somebody had gotten killed today. And different topics that they will, will go on with that. And I thought, See, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. You need to be able your your children need to be able to think. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) Let me think about this for a second. And that's that's just a broad example. But there are so many different things that if they if if they will take the time to think critically, they will have a better understanding and they will be able to uh, communicate in a better way what they're thinking and that's going to make a huge difference in their life, their career, their marriage, everything. All the things, all the things. Well, Stacey, we are definitely out of time here, but I want, before we go, I want you to remind everyone where they can connect with you. We're going to link to uh, some of Stacey's resources in the show notes so that you can pick them up easily. But um, it's also, it's also nice to hear uh, audibly (laughs) where to connect. So if you'll tell us that, if you have any social um, presence that they can connect with you with, um, and then we will we will link everything else. 
Absolutely. Well, you can visit my website. That's homeschoolingrevealed.com. It's the same name as the book. And I also have a Facebook page by that name. And uh, so any of those that you can use, I'm, I'm not yet active on Instagram or uh, Twitter, but I do get on the Facebook group a lot and I do check the uh, website from time to time. <laughs> so if you want to contact me there, if there's any way that I can help, I am making myself available to you as of right now. So, um, and then the book that I mentioned that is on Amazon. It, I released that on uh, January the 1st. So that's available. And uh, I'm just really honored to have been here. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, you are very welcome. We are glad that you were here. I hope that this has been um, just a great help to those of you who are in this transitional transitional time um, that this gave you some freedom um, from maybe the shackles that you're putting on yourself of trying to keep everything status quo the way you actually ran away from status quo. So don't forget that. Um, so I want you to take the freedom to de-school, to undo some of the things that are binding both your child and yourself to an old system. And then prepare yourself to just see the world open up, like Stacy was noting, um, and, and to grow together and learn together and have fun together and build stronger relationships together. This is a decision you will never regret making. So good luck to you all. Be sure you check the show notes for, for all of those resources. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.